Good morning to all of you and greetings this morning in the name of Christ. We'll get that fixed, hopefully. Nobody move. <laughs> it's good to be here and appreciate seeing each one of you. Hopefully you've come hungry for the Word of God. Um, as was announced last Sunday, we're looking at a theme as ministers. Um, the next few messages were in regards to money. And the title that I seen that they had given me was Trap of Materialism. Uh, that's not a real easy thing to speak about because all of you have money and some have more than others. Does that mean I'm pointing it at you? And as I speak about money, you can look and think, well, I wonder about if he thought about his. And I have this to say, are you absolutely assured in your heart that you're applying God's word into your financial situation. That is so important. When we start thinking, well, we're in trouble. We must look openly at God's word and say, what does he have to say about this very practical thing? Now, I'd like to say a few things to get started. First of all, materialism is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. A tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. I want to start off by saying something that you think may be weird. But the opposite of materialism is not laziness. We've got to understand that. When we're talking about money, we say, well, you know, we can't have too much money uh, because then we're not being biblical. Listen, the opposite of materialism is not laziness. The opposite is to consider spiritual values as more important. We have to grab a hold of this. <clears throat> Younger generation, can I pick on you a little bit? Manual labor is not a fellow from Mexico. That's something that we're expected to do. Manual labor. Work. The vision of many people today is to be able to make money without working hard. Sound good to you? I mean, if I can sit behind a desk and make good money, or if I can just, you know, resell something, it takes me five minutes. Hey, I made a million dollars in three months. Somebody did that selling land. That's, that's the dream. Um, what about diligence? What about hard work? That's what that scripture holds forth for us. Uh, what I'm saying is the opposite of materialism is not laziness. I realize there's many backgrounds sitting here, many homes represented, many upbringings, and we're all different. But some homes could never be accused of materialism. You never could look at that home and say, you know, I wonder if they're materialistic. But they could be accused of being lazy. That's a serious problem. God's Word says they have denied the faith and they are worse than a heathen. Why? They're bringing shame to the name of Christ and His church. The opposite of materialism is not laziness. <clears throat> I'll move on now. If that was peculiar, I guess brush it off. 
But we need to be people who are willing to be diligent in our work. Turn to Mark chapter 10. There are people who live with a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. All of us know people who live with that tendency and in that tendency. But usually we respect them because they are successful financially. If a person skips out on church functions, ignores the importance of brotherhood, and was absolutely a financial failure, you'd have no respect for him. You'd say, you know, number one, get your relationship right with God, and you would have the answers for them. But if someone is more materialistic-minded than spiritually-minded, and they're successful, you say, oh, well, you know, maybe there's something we can learn. I don't have all the answers for that. And we're not encouraging, hey, listen, There's more important things in life than the dollar bill you're holding. Uh, Friends, this is easier than what we think, and I I believe it will affect... I've seen it affect all of us in one way or another, really. I think, I don't know if I should say all, but most of my friends... Mr. McGuire was a millionaire car salesman. He stopped in a city mission that I'm well acquainted with. Mr. McGuire's life was an absolute disaster. Absolute disaster. A couple marriages, divorcement, now he was single. But he had money. Mr. McGuire was a millionaire. And as he sees it, he told the mission, he says, as I see it, I need you and you need my money. We make a good team. Was that a good thought? What do you think? You ever run a mission or not? Uh, you ever run a mission without any money? It's kind of hard to get through that. I need you. You need my money. This mission has been had been struggling for years financially, and in a few short weeks, McGuire had become the right hand man. There were some things that he looked at as a church that he kind of scoffed at. Those are non-essentials. And some were rethinking the way they were doing things. I mean, it is kind of non-essential, and maybe we shouldn't promote it like big time. We could back up on that. Now, if Mr. McGuire was a poor man, and he had come and gave the same presentation, he said, I'm poor, but I need you. And he said, now listen, those things aren't that important. Those are non-essentials. They'd have came up for air. No, these are important. This is who we are. But the guy had millions. Now, how do you relate to him? A rich man... They used so carefully that they were paralyzed in how to deal with a guy. Money changes perspectives, sadly. And when money changes perspective, we're in serious spiritual compromise. That's the reality of it. When money changes your perspective, you are materialistic. You are considering material possession as more important than spiritual values.
Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. Now there's ten commandments that we all know and love, and the first four deal with relationship to God, idols, keeping the Sabbath, not taking God's name in vain and such. And then the last six have to do with our relationship with others. But Jesus only covered five. There's one lacking. Thou shalt not covet is not asked in this setting here. And this young man answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. I I really appreciate that it says that. Now, I've heard said that this young man was a liar for even thinking that he observed the commands from his youth. But this is the fact. Have you ever heard of Jesus looking at a, a young man who was lying, who was a hypocrite, and loving him, and smiling, saying, wow. When there's hypocrisy, Jesus absolutely hates it, detests it. Uh, he will come out swinging when there's hypocrisy. There's something to uncover. But it says, he looked at this man and loved him. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest, materialism. A tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. That's one thing that you lack. Now, in Ephesians 5, Paul writes, For this ye know. Now, how do we know this? For this ye know, that no covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, how did we know that? Because Jesus was teaching that. He taught that right here in Mark 10. You you can't inherit the kingdom of God and be materialistic. Those two don't don't go together. Suppose a sweatshirt company made a shirt. A shirt that said, money is everything. And the guy selling the shirts became a millionaire. Then the owner of the company gets saved. And he's living off his millions that he made promising and promoting money is everything on his sweatshirts. But now he's saved and he's coming to your town and he's preaching a peculiar thing. He's preaching against fancy cars and fancy houses and fancy lifestyles. And he's preaching that you need to be sold out living for Jesus. While he's living on his millions, he got promoting money is everything. What do you think of the guy? He got it honestly. He didn't cheat. But his money was a result of a covetous Covetous, I can get that said right, covetous lifestyle. And Jesus here, when he saw that in that young man, he was drawing a line between 
where he's going to live today and how that covetous lifestyle brought him. Okay, now this is a problem in even Mennonite churches. How many are willing to go on the mission field? Hey, after I make my millions, I'll go. Because then I don't have anything to worry about and, you know, I'm covered. Young people, what about right now? Before you have your millions. Or hundreds in, in my case, or what, whatever the amount. But it's so easy to think, well, I'm going to just go hog wild into work. And it's going to be, first and foremost, we're going to get money. Money is everything. That's how I'm going to live. And then when I get it, Lord, call me wherever you will. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll stay where you want me to stay. And Jesus said, I want to draw a line in your life. And it's a line between where you're at today and all the money you made thinking money is everything. And I want you to go and sell that and I want you to give to the poor. It's not okay to just become okay with the thought money is everything and somehow think at the end of it, well, I can really use this for God. And I can really preach to people even though my lifestyle, getting my money, was not what it should have been, and even though I keep that money, I can so easily help others to say, hey, you're investing too much time in work, you've you're, you got too fancy of a car, you got too... Really? What about drawing the line between you and covetousness? That's what Jesus was saying to this young man. The manufacturer turned out thousands of sweatshirts. Now this is a true story. A manufacturer turned out thousands of sweatshirts with the words, money isn't everything. Today they're bankrupt. So now what? <laughs> well, we have a question about the guy. Because a lot of times we figure gain is godliness. If a person's financial success is zero, don't it? Would we respect that person for their diligence, grace, honesty, kindness, love, generosity, and forgiveness? Or do we look at them and say, you know, you didn't amount to anything financially. You know, I just wonder how godly you've really applied yourself. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Today we live in a society where most people measure success in the form of affluence and achievements. Society has convinced us that in order to be considered successful, we need to acquire, achieve, consume, upgrade, and enlarge our scope of possessions. Now that's the influence. Now it's been multiplied with the internet, with phones. Uh, I remember working years ago when I had a computer. My fellow workers did not have a computer. And they had one question for me. They said, have you upgraded yet? I said, what do you mean? Well, nobody with a computer says, mine's good enough. They always want the next one bigger. 
And now it's phones. Who wants to flip phone? I mean, wake up. All my friends have smartphones. And, and they, you know, you can just, it's touch. You know, it, it recognizes your fingerprint. I'm not going to just settle for this puny little trash. I've got to upgrade. Covetousness, friends, is so interwoven into our lives, we no longer regard it as sin. We need to consider how abundance might be working against us. I, I want to look at this list. Are you covetous? Covetous. Are you materialistic? I want you to think about these questions. And listen, if you, if you wrote God off and his ways a long time ago, you'll probably listen to these and say, nah, what's the use? But if you really want to say, God, what do you have to say in my life? I want you to listen to these. Do you spend money you don't have for things you don't need? If you do, you're covetous. Do you spend money you don't have for things you don't need? The debts you have reveal who you really are. Do you spend money you don't have for things you don't need? So there are some debts that are legitimate. There are some that are not legitimate. So, my question to you is, is a house debt legitimate? Sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. Is an automobile debt legitimate? Very, very seldom would that be legitimate. If you're spending money that you don't have for things that you don't need, you probably don't need that kind of a car or the cost of the car as much as what you think you do. What about business debt? Business debt's legitimate because you're going in debt to make a living, right? And, and you're going to make money. Friends, some business debts are legitimate. And some are not. But if we're spending money that I don't have for things that I don't need, I'm covetous. And I'm in serious, serious trouble with God. Second, are you more prone to be on the giving or on the receiving end of a great bargain? Are you on the giving end or the receiving end of a great bargain? Now, there's people that I know I could light their fire if I just say one thing. There's a huge sale in Eau Claire. Should I say side-by-sides, four-wheelers, chicken? Whatever it is. You can go down a list. But as soon as you hear a huge sale, you'll forget everything I would have said this morning but you'll remember one thing. I've got to look up that side by side for 500 bucks. So clear. Of the 10% that people retain in an hour-long sermon, they would catch that one thing. There's a side by side for sale. Eau Claire, 500 bucks. And you know what? Mennonite men and ladies, if we're more prone to be on the receiving end than the giving end of a good bargain, we're in trouble. 
There is a very conservative man in retail industry. And even the heathen look at this very conservative man and say, don't say too much around him. He will catch every little wink. And he will use it against you to get himself a better deal. And I'm saying that's a shame to Christ's name and his church. Covetousness. Third one. I'm not sure where I got this third one. It, I, it struck me as I read it. Do you complain about your house, your spouse, your job to others? Do you think in phrases like, if I only had? You're thinking of personal comfort more than spiritual well-being? We, we become complainers. I wish I had a better house. I wish I had a better wife. wish I had a better husband. wish I had a better job. How many of you want a job that pays more? Yeah. Hey, I'm in. And, and we start processing that. If only I... And you don't realize that's what's making your clock tick. Rather than being spiritually focused. And fourth, am I covetous? Would God classify me as a giver or a consumer? You only fit in one of those categories. God looks at you as somebody who is a consumer or somebody who is a giver. Now, if I would be up here and I would say, you know, my neighbor is a very godly person. He loves the Lord with all his heart. He's serving the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Um, he just divorced his, his wife last week and he got remarried in the same week to another lady that he worked at the office. But he really loves the Lord and he is serving Him. You would say, you know what? You shouldn't be up there preaching anymore. Your ministry's over. And you're absolutely right. No church should okay what God calls sin. And I would say, and what about covetousness? If we start condoning and saying, hey, it's good, just look out for number one. Look out for yourself. Go, go, go. Why am I, why are we so prone to materialism in our lives? Ecclesiastes 5 is painfully honest with us. I believe these lies of materialism will catch us. Lie number one is, Money will make me happy. Money will make me happy. I'm not going to raise your, have you raise your hand, but how many of you would just love if you're tired of the frustration of money and if God would just rain $100 bills down on your lawn, that would make you happy. I'm into that, right? You think money would make you happy? Ecclesiastes 5.10 He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase, this is also vanity. If money is what brings the most happiness to you, you will never be a happy person. You will never be a satisfied person. It will not happen. He that loveth silver 
will not be satisfied with silver. That's God speaking. Yeah, but seriously. I mean, if my husband would make a hundred grand, I'd be happy. If you're not happy where you're at now, you wouldn't be happy. No, but I would be. That's how we argue with this thing. How was your day? A good day. You know what? I found a deal on Craigslist. So that's what makes a good day? But did you hear about the sale at Walmart? And you know, you can see the excitement in their eyes you can, you, you, that it feeds them. It gives them purpose in life. I ask this question, in a hundred years from today, will I look back on today as being kind of pathetic that I got excited over saving 50 bucks? A hundred years from today. Will I look back on today and say, you know, I drove four hours to save a little money. And there was people who needed my help when I was busy. That was extremely pathetic. Yeah, but you know how much I saved? No, I'm saying in a hundred years, you look back and what drives your motor today? In eternity, will you say, what was I thinking? You say, well, I don't know who to help. I can give you a list. They're all around us. Line number two. Money, sorry, wealth would take away all my difficulties. See, I can relate to this stuff. Give me wealth and I won't have any headaches. Verse 11. When goods are increased, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding them with their eye? You know, we, we think, well, it's a struggle to be poor. But if you don't believe that, <laughs> change shoes for a little bit. My wife has, has been able to raise our family on not very much money. And we think, well, you know, if we just got rained on with money, bumper, bumper year, all my headaches would be gone. Actually, you would multiply your headaches. That's what the Word says. Because when goods are increased, they are increased that eat them. Uh, I have a lawyer friend that I met through ACE. He said that, and his, he, he defends churches in court. His take on the matter, he said, you'll never see somebody sue a poor church. You know, if a church is a little white building, beat up, old, dirty parking lot, you know, not blacktop and all this, people can drive by many a time. They ain't going to sue. Nobody's going to take a swing. But he said, as soon as people see a $2 million sanctuary, blacktop parking, somebody's going to take a swing at them in about six months. Guaranteed. The little church, they ain't got nothing. Why are you going to come out of the woodwork and swing at them? But hey, you can build 
a huge sanctuary like that with nothing. You got something. And I'm going to swing for it. Old beater car comes into clatter, clatter bang into the parking lot as they open the door in our parking lot. The wind catches it and whack! Hits the car beside him. And the car beside him looks at him and says, they can't afford anything. Hey, that's alright. No, it's been dented before. But what if a $60,000 SUV glides into the parking lot and a prissy lady goes to step out and wham! The door gets caught in the wind, smacks their truck next door and the person in the truck's thinking, uh, they got something. Uh, they can afford it. I think I could take a swing at him here. You know, your headaches won't go away if you get a pile of money. That's just the fact of it. You'll get more of them. You start a business and you think, you know, we don't have anything. It's a wing and a prayer here is all we got. And there you ask people, hey, could you be a supplier? And they say, well, if you give us $2,200, we'll sign you up with an account. I'm thinking, well, I don't have $2,200. Well, then you don't get an account. I'm thinking, wow, okay, I thought you want my business. Well, if you have $2,200. But then when a business gets going, and even a tenth of the way successful, and then everybody lines up at the door. Would you give donations? How about a donation? Every credit card company from here to Texas will get in line saying, we want your business. And beside them are allied waste and everybody in between saying, hey, we want your business. Well, what happened to the $2,200 that you need? Oh, no, we'll waive all fees. We'll waive all fees. And we'll just inject them when you're not looking. <laughs> when money increases, I guarantee you this is a biblical fact. They are increased that eat them. There's people that will come out of the woodwork looking to eat them. I was studying a little bit the benefits of winning the lottery. You know what they say? There ain't any. Everybody comes out of the woodwork and tries to eat what I just got. When goods are increased, they are increased that eat them. You think you got headaches now? You only got a little peeny headache. You're going to get a huge headache if you really get the silver that you think would take care of it. Third, I'm getting out of line here. The third lie, the more I have, the easier it would be to handle. If you're living on $25,000 a year, there's no extra to be accountable for. All right, you're, you're just paying the bills. You're hoping to be able to pay your electric. And so you think, you know, if I spend on myself, it would be, God's view of that would be more negative because, I mean, every dollar is needed somewhere. All right? But if I had a bunch of extra, well, then it wouldn't really matter. If I got into these types of spending habits because not every dollar is needed. 
What is it? I wonder why God gave that to you. I wonder if he had a place for it. The lie of materialism is the more I have, the easier it would be to handle. And you know what verse 13 says of Ecclesiastes? There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun. Namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their own hurt. What's he saying? The more you have, the more you can hurt yourself. I've seen a sore evil. Terrible evil. The people grab a hold of that money to their own hurt. They're not less accountable. They're more accountable. I need to skip about three pages. You know, all the money that you have will one day end up like this $20 bill here. This is a bookmarker. This is Confederate $20 bill. And the day after the war, it would take $80 of these, take four of these, to buy $1. If we're given our first and foremost efforts to get this, telling you you're going to have a lot of bookmarks at the end of the line. Jesus has created a line at the end of time. And I don't understand all that line. But it, it separates every one of his children from money. Every one of them. If you read in Revelation 13, it says that the beast sets up a monetary system. And with that monetary system, he requires that you take a mark of 666 in your wrist or in your forehead. And there is no more money. This means absolutely nothing. And if you don't take that mark, you cannot buy or sell. I don't care how influential you are. Or how much charisma you have to your neighbors. You cannot buy or sell. And if you take that mark, God says, I will not have you as my child. So there, there is a very clear line drawn in that time that says, Jesus says, you cannot serve me and money. Period. I look at that time and like I say, I don't understand it all, but Revelation 13 makes it very clear that there will be some who need to give their life to refuse to take the mark of the beast. And you know what that means? That means giving up every nickel, every $20 bill, even to your house, even to your car, and everything you own for your testimony for Jesus Christ. And yet, as I look at Scripture, I would say, in reality, that line goes through all of time. There's a line in your life and there's a line in my life that Jesus says you can't serve God in money. It's, you're wholehearted for me or you're wholehearted for it. But you're not wholehearted for both. 
Does that mean we can be lazy? Absolutely not. Does that mean we're going to be diligent in working with our hands? Absolutely. But somewhere there has to be a a separation according to God's standard on me and my focus on Him and me and my focus on money. Somewhere God wants that line very clear in our lives. And we have to dig into His Word and say, Lord, where's that line in regards to this issue in my life? Get the counsel of the brotherhood. And you know, how many of you, all of you that are married, do you think the same exactly as your wife or your husband on money? Kind of? A little bit? We got somebody a little bit. Praise the Lord. Well, you know what? If you would think exactly alike, one of you wouldn't be needed. Because just one of you is doing all the thinking. There's, there's, God brings family... Husband and wife, work together at this. God brings a brotherhood. Work together at this. That we can know we want to be in the center of God's will and how we relate with money, how we spend our money, that we're not being materialistic. I have one more thought and then I'll close. It's way out of order. But here it goes. My Bible says, the opposite of materialism I believe is giving, is lending. And this is what Jesus says. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Well, isn't there any qualifiers there? Actually, there wasn't. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom. There's people who are too lazy to work and then they don't have to give and they don't know what I'm talking about. But the Bible says work so that you have to give. And there's a joy in giving that you, you can't really, you can't describe to someone else unless they've had that. There's a purpose in giving. And When he says it's true, I'm telling you, I believe him. I know what it's like to get ready to go for meetings. And thinking when I come back, you know, we were barely breaking even. When I'm back, I'm going to be broke. So you think that means, you know, I don't need to put in the offering anymore. I remember one time specifically... We were broke. And somebody called and said, Hey, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I mean, money-wise. I had covenant. I will not say one peep to anyone about not having any money. This guy kept pushing. I said, Hey, God's been good to us. I'm not saying any more. Didn't tell him I'm not saying any more, but I'm not saying Meanwhile, the next day, I think it was the next day, I opened the check that came in the mailbox for $5,000. And someone was saying, you know, I had this vision in the night, and I said, no, not $5,000. I mean, come on here. But it said the next night the same vision came. 
And it was the same amount. Sorry, it's late. And then I got a letter in the mail that said, you know, I called you about this. You didn't say anything about this, but I couldn't sleep for two days. Here's the check. In one month, $11,000. And you're saying this isn't true? That God doesn't say, given it shall be given unto you? I'm saying it's true. And we don't give now to say, well, you know, God, I'm going to give. And now you remember this because I'm expecting, you know what, you totally lost your love for Christ. You're manipulating him. When a husband only loves his wife and says, well, I did that for you. Why don't you? Then you didn't do it for her. You did it for you. You're manipulating your husband or wife. And when we try to manipulate Christ, it's useless. We're serving ourselves. We're being materialistic. But when we, in an honest heart, truly believe, give and it shall be given unto you. I know that I can trust the one I'm giving it to because I love him and I know he loves me. There's a joy in giving. Friends, materialism makes us pretty grumpy people. I want us to challenge, be challenged this morning. One day all of our banknotes are going to be bookmarks. But between now and the time that they're a bookmark, you can use them. As Jesus said, make to yourselves friends with a mammon of unrighteousness. If you're able to, would you kneel for prayer?